We are just winging it. Back for another special guest. Excited to be back. It always feels like a while after two weeks, you know? I feel like uh, I miss you, Patrick. It, I don't even remember what we talked about. No, I certainly don't. We're going to be repeating the same stories, most likely. Yeah, I literally can't remember what our last episode was. But it has. It's been like 12 days. And uh, you know why I can't remember, John? Tell me why. Because I am so full of freaking dopamine when I and said, positivity. Tell me why, I hope it immediately conjured up the song. Tell me why. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Keep I am. Going. I am so full of like dopamine right now because of the sun and the weather I and know. getting outside. And it's this perfect place where it's not hot at all. It's just like it's just beautiful out. It's life changing. Yeah. Oh my god, this weekend was so good, John. Are you we also having some deja vu though? Because I remember emerging last year. Um, the the timeline feels all off to me because the reality is last year we went into isolation, you know, um, mid-March, right? It was about then. Yeah. And yet, didn't it also feel like we went through this period of, you know, being isolated and then springing up in, in spring and summer? Yep. But how did that all happen in such an abbreviated time, whereas now we actually went through a full winter, you know? It's it's crazy. The time has never been as like evident to yeah, me yeah. as it has this last year. And it's because we have so many of these huge, weird waypoints to go by. And I also really identify this springtime feeling now with COVID coming about last year because it was offset, like you're saying, by this whole feeling of like, well, we can at least we can be in nature. It's the only safe thing we can really do right now. Yep. And I remember like making I remember my first like COVID era social media post was like four days after the WHO declared the health emergency. Mm -hmm. And I remember like we went on a pretty long hike and I put this picture out there and I was like, hey, if anybody's looking for something to do, you can always go outside. Like some dumbass, you know, <laughs> realizing that that's what literally everybody was doing last March. But yeah, that was, you know, we were counting our blessings to a degree, mm -hmm. right? Because we mm -hmm. knew that we had this weather and then we, we saw what was coming with the COVID winter. And I got to say though, John, last night, we had this just wonder. We set up our table outside, so now we have like uh, you know we can have dinner out there. We can oh, have all of our meals. I'm, I'm working out there for much of the day, um, and uh, and you know we were sitting there last night having you know our like grilled food by the fire pit that was roaring and just like looking out under the stars. And I was putting some um, you know some fuel into the fire pit in the form of old newspapers Propane. to get it going. Uh -huh. Yeah, napalm. Just dumping it in. Yep. And one of them was from January 10th of this year. Oh man. And I was just looking at like the editorial page and it said, you know, this is like right post, you know, ins insurrection. This was like, it was just so Ugh. dark out and mm -hmm. it was so cold. And it was saying how, you know, we need to be gearing up because this will be the hardest month of many of our lives if everything goes the way we think it's going. Yeah. With a COVID trend, with the political unrest, with the just the fact that it's wintertime in much of the United States and it's so cold. I mean, everywhere in the United States, but it feels like cold wintertime. And it's, oh, yeah. it's a time where like if you're already isolated because of COVID, it's even doubly hard. And watching that fucking piece of paper burn, John, <laughs> <laughs> was like so gratifying. That on the nose, oh, so huh? nice. Yeah. So good. I mean, yeah, we similarly, you know, had a weekend where we were just outside for most of it again. And there are so many feelings right now. I'm, I'm feeling at least, you know, I, I'm, I'm so excited to just be able to spend so much time outside again. Um, I think we did a pretty good job over the winter of getting ourselves outside a lot, sledding and, you know, doing whatever. But now it's just the weather you want to just be outside all the time. Um, so and we also had... Um, a bunch of family over and, you know, all outside and masked and everything. But that still felt like, different to have like a gathering again um, of people and of kids playing around. And like that just it felt really nice. Um, I'm also, though, very aware of the transition right now. Having kids go back to school, you know, Grace is like actually getting the kindergarten, you know, the start of her public school right. education you know, for real now. And th that has felt like a real transition. Um, and it's like, it, d it has felt almost like abrupt, the idea that we're, we're all going back to some, you know, pattern of life we recognized. Granted, we're still, I mean, you're, you're working from home, giving your new um, life, <laughs> uh, you know, as a remote worker anyway, but you know, we're all still, a lot of us are still re remote working and that's not normal yet. But um, I'm just very aware of like the kids transition and, there's there is an aspect of bittersweetness i'll say to it you know the idea that we're not going to be together as much as we were um and it's mostly a feeling of you know positive feeling for me but um there is some some downside too 
Oh, yeah. And I think we should do a whole show on that because it's yeah. something that I think we're all thinking a lot. As things start to feel, I mean, like the people that we were worried about, my, my parents are vaccinated. You know, my mother-in-law is vaccinated. She got to come over this weekend and we got to mm. just sit outside with no masks on and just like just just relax. So nice. uh, you know, I, I'm going to hopefully be vaccinated within a couple of weeks because our sign up for our state is April 4th at midnight. Yeah, basically, it's April coming 5th. here soon, too. It's so exciting. So my sister and I were going to do like a virtual party where we're going to stay up till midnight so we can both like try to get one of the first spots, you know. <laughs> That's um, awesome. And Mike is all set. And it's just this feeling of there's just so much more. So many of the people that I've been so concerned about this whole time are safe. Yes. They really are. And still being cautious like we need right. to be. But like, but it's nice when you can be cautious as a precaution and not cautious as a like this is staving off possible yeah. death right yeah, yeah, yeah like we're just doing the right thing and we're going to be safe about it but like but the fundamental resting rate of our lives right now feels safe to me for the first time in such a long time and i just love that feeling and that coupled with the weather changing just man it's been really great i do have to say though because of our guest on here who has been one of my main inspirations for making the most of cold weather and we'll get to that, I'm sure. Um, you know, I've always loved cold weather. You know, we love doing snow sports and things. But like going into this winter, I was talking to our guest about it. And I was like, man, this is really I'm going to have a hard time, like, you know, not being outside as much. And he was mm -hmm. like, well, there's nothing telling you you can't be outside as much. Right. <laughs> and so I was like, you know what? He's absolutely right. And we're going to sled like every single day. And we did. And it was great. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But then now there wasn't even snow on like, the ground and you were sledding right down <laughs> sledding like the sand hills. Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> but now that like this, the snow is melting, it feels like, okay, now I'm remembering the rhythm of the seasons and why mm. this is a special feeling. And like, yeah, it's like, I, I, I'm, I'm happy that we get this opportunity biweekly to memorialize how we feel because so many of our check-ins over the last year have been so uh, tough, afraid yeah. <laughs> and sad. Yeah. And this is one where, like, we are uh, we're in a great spot, and so we should remember that. You know, I'm, I, I feel very, very grateful to be here with you, to be here with our guest, to be here on a beautiful day, recording an episode where we're not talking about imminent destruction <laughs> yet. Likewise, and I hope all you listeners are are doing well and and emerging from this. You know, likewise with some hope, and uh, yeah, I think that that's probably a good transition for us to get right into it with our guest now two-time guest pete from the midwest you see what i did there that was pretty good was that a rhyme i mean i did rhyme so i would call it a rhyme yeah i think mc uh tumbleweeds is back John. <laughs> <laughs> that's a blast back. that's how you know we're back we're back to our old patterns um why don't you give him a proper introduction patrick yeah i think this is his third time i i can't tell I don't oh know. you're right Peter, because we had the episode with yep with we had 100th episode it was yeah. like a <laughs> that was like a therapy set, a group therapy session. Yeah, dadgasm, the therapy yes, session. We should do that again. Um, it, so you know, Peter from the Midwest is on journalist, attorney, skateboard aficionado, music fan, sci-fi nerd, great friend, awesome dude. Significantly more dressed up than we are because he is in an office right now. Although I think he's the only human in his zip code by the looks of <laughs> the background. <laughs> but Peter, welcome back, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, guys. I'm excited. This is it's always fun to come back. And I don't know, the first thing I just want to hit just not even letting you guys get a breath in is it is nice to be, you know, nice to hear you guys sort of upbeat to be back on a biweekly schedule. I'd actually have missed several episodes for a while. I caught up over the weekend while out walking a lot. And yeah, it's been nice. And I think a lot of us have missed hearing you guys too. And taking weeks off, you kind of realize I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 good to hear you guys back back in it again. Back I'm in the glad, saddle. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I, the message I'm taking away is that we got too you know we we got too dark to be worthwhile to listen to. So now we're just gonna bring the hope and the positivity. You know, we're basically Teletubbies, is what we're saying. <laughs> we, we, we are now officially the Teletubbies podcast. Listen. I, I forgot a little story, which I'm going to share with you both. Now, we, I, I realize this is horrible timing because we've already you had see what happens when music, you let us get a breath in, Peter? Is, mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you can't give me a breath. I have to just fly by the seat of my pants, Peter. We've already talked about being in the saddle, right? Um, well, this is yet another pants story. So I am currently wearing a horrible pair of boxers. And this is something that I think I brought up on the show a couple years ago. Um, I recommend everybody do this. If you, I don't know, if you, I don't even want to know where this is going to go. A horrible pair of boxers. Like, where is this going to go? A right horrible, now? a horrible pair of boxers. So, 
I have this one pair of boxers that I put at the bottom of my <laughs> that drawer. That you wear every day. Uh-huh. It, it's basically a harbinger of like, you need to get your laundry done because, and, and so I put it there to punish myself yes. to do that load of laundry, right? Mm-hmm. And I've been pretty good about getting my, because the kids have laundry going fucking 24 hours a day. There's yeah, yeah. always laundry happening in our household. <laughs> like that is the main thing we do is laundry. We are basically a laundromat at this point. Yep. Um, but because of that, I like never do my own laundry. And so I go through, you know, my boxers for a couple weeks, right? And then I get down to this pair of just these, these, and I've, I've had these since maybe sixth grade. I don't know why they fit, <laughs> but they are like so gross and tight and there's holes in them. And it's a reminder throughout the day that I have to get back to my laundry because like after this, there's nothing, right? Yeah. So, uh, I just want to, you mean, know, suggest there's nothing that could be freeing. That. Yeah. I could be freeballing. Nobody would know because I don't see humans <laughs> outside of my immediate family. But, um, it's a good it's a good way to like stay on top of your laundry and yeah. also to express self hatred in a nice you know physical way. Uh, I recommend it. And then tomorrow you'll just be Donald ducking it through all your meetings. I love it. <laughs> Donald ducking it with no pants on and no and no underwear. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it means that when I get the when I clean them, that when I get my boxers back again, it feels like I'm living in the lap of luxury. You know what right. I mean? It's like so. I'm like, oh man. Well, like, I mean, my balls yeah. aren't falling out of these. It's great. <laughs> it's so Suddenly, nice. you're not wearing a sixth grader's underwear, so I imagine that does. <laughs> you, you might as well be wearing Jews' underwear at this point. <laughs> yeah, right, I might as well. I, I, I did it. notice your voice an octave higher right now. So what you are know, you talking yeah. About? <laughs> Um, but so Peter, yeah. you're on the show today. Uh, well, for one thing, just yeah. to say hi and to, and to check in, but also because you wrote in, uh, we were having a conversation a couple weeks ago about related to something that came up on just winging it, which I have to say, I really want to unpack a little bit because it has been transformative for us these last two weeks. And we're going to talk about that a bit. John and I have been also talking, but the idea was, you know, Peter, you live a very active life as well with the kids, doing a lot of activities, doing a lot of things on pavement that could potentially be painful if they go the wrong way. Um, and I've always admired how you seem very comfortable. You know, you send videos of you with your 300 children riding bikes through, you know, downtown. And I just think that's like amazing. I wish I had that level of confidence in my kids' abilities to not be run over by trucks mm. all the time. So I wanted to, you know, we wanted to have you on today to talk a little bit about what's that fine line where you can like take risks that are acceptable with kids and how do you like maintain some sense of calm during that and allow them to like get hurt in a way that's not permanent. Ideally. Yeah. No, I don't know. Just looking at the title, you know, the acceptable risk. I mean, I feel like I really am, I'm at work, but I really feel at work talking to people about risk and oh, you know, <laughs> trying to advise you on, yeah, you know, you could do this, but here's the risks. And (laughs) part of that, I think, has entered um, sort of the parenting style that I don't have any style of, which, again, which is why I've always enjoyed the show. And I always like to quick do a little um, disclaimer. You know, I think I, you know, again, I always say it, but I followed Patrick over here from the Shoal Over Ryan and Perfect Organism podcasts and I originally just thought you know what I, I like hearing them talk and I'm driving a lot I need someone to just fill the air with big words and so, <laughs> beautiful voice yeah thank you dulcet yeah and so you know I don't know why I, I don't know if Patrick mentioned it I don't even know I don't even remember how I happened myself in here anyways I was like parenting podcast that sounds like the worst I hate talking about parenting I hate talking about politics. I hate talking about all the normal stuff. That's just sort of like, I don't really care what anyone else thinks. And I don't need you to try and tell me why I should try to be a little different about it. But as obviously is shown, I've actually gotten really into a lot of that stuff because it's fun to listen to you guys talk about it. And you don't get hoity-toity or annoying or preachy about any of it. It's just fun listening to two guys who by all other circumstances, if we were all in the same town, we'd probably be friends and, and hang out. Mm-hmm. And yes, you know, we all think that about anyone. So, you know, I'd also be best friends with like Brad Pitt or, you know, the lead singer of my favorite bands, whatever. We're all buddies. I'm, I'm cool. And everyone would think I'm awesome. It, it's, it's, it's a head cannon. It's a term yeah, for that. Exactly. <laughs> in your head cannon, you're best friends with all of them. Yeah. Right. So anyway, so, you know, that's the point 
of talking about acceptable risk and giving you guys advice to which I am charging you, uh, just winging it, it'll get a bill. Um, usual <laughs> hour, hours, yeah, yeah, yeah. Usual hour, hourly rate at the end of this. <laughs> um, but no, so really, I just kind of, I just like talking about it and it's fun to share, you know, especially, you know, with Patrick and hearing about all the crazy adventures that typically he gets himself into, mm. you know, like the double flipping off trampolines and then jumping off ass. the ceiling somehow. Yeah. You know, those are classic, classic um, stories. That came up actually yesterday, Mike, because because my coccyx was hurting a little bit. I think I bruised it and I was trying to figure out like how that could have happened again. And Micah was like, it's because of the trauma. Like that time you landed, you know, on your on your butt on the trampoline. And I was like, I need to clarify, honey. I didn't land on the trampoline. That was the problem. It's I landed on the floor. <laughs> if I had landed on a trampoline, my butt would have been more intact than it was. Yeah, only after hitting the wall and dancing. Yeah, I also hit a wall. A moment. Yeah, <laughs> it was like exactly out of the Inception hallway scene. It was. Yeah, it looked just that cool too. That's yeah. yeah. I'm trust sure. me. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's and that's the thing. So a couple things. I think I was programmed this way before becoming an attorney, where I automatically am I'm, I'm first and only child. So first, I don't know why I even added that to, but only child. So I already have sort of a, a risk aversion. Um, sort of, hey, I'm the good one background. So, you know, already I'm sort of set up to be an annoying parent. Mm. And then with being an attorney and reading cases and hearing about worst case scenarios out of just about anything already, you know, if, if my kid's walking, you know, good example would be, you know, taking like an escalator up. I'm like, oh my God, what if one of these sides is loose? There's going to be huge lacerations. They're going to get sucked down. Their hand's going to go in. <laughs> couple that now with the mind of a skateboarder which i'll add you you know there's certain ways that um skateboarders view the world and it's not unlike any and i'm not saying this is special to anything just anything you're in you see different things patrick's into music you've got different um, visual or audio cues that other people wouldn't hear you know john you're now a, a boxer your your reflexes are, are you know you can just see like in someone's cat. eye yeah I mean, just take them out. Just take them out. You see the body and there's targets everywhere. You're like, oh, Peter's chin looks like a glass chin. This is where, you know, (laughs) that's where he's going to go down in a second. Um, But, you know, so I've always been uh, prone to looking at cracks, looking at rocks. You know, uh, you know, if if you only had a 52 millimeter wheel, you wouldn't make it over that crack. But if you could increase that and throw on some bigger, softer wheels, all you'll roll over it. Anyway, that's amazing. So what that goes into then is when your kids are out running and this is why I'm this is all one giant disclaimer for, I am not the amazing, um, you know, uh, throw caution to the wind, you know, shooting my kids out of cannons that sometimes I could come across just because I let them do this stuff. I'm more careful with my kids, you know, walking on a sidewalk and yelling, oh, that crack, look at this, look out for the cars, than I am, you know, it's probably your typical dad. So this is, a lot of this is coming from, and it's taken a lot of work I think to get to where um, Patrick believes I am (laughs) by the introduction, but yes. Um, And a lot of this starts actually from, you know, so I can tone it too and a lot to do with this pandemic. Um, In about this time last year, it was unseasonably warm and spring started early, kind of like it has now. And I remember specific parts of doing that, you know, everyone's doing, we're all doing way more yard work. John had ordered super extra mulch. He had the tank, the oil tanker full of mulch being pulled out. Pre-ordered in the winter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, this is about the time when John's kids were going over to neighbors and mulching their yards for free. That's right. Playing in mulch mulch piles and all that. Mulch the world. It's our Um, our family (laughs) motto. Yeah. And we're getting, we're all coming out of winter. We wanted stuff to do. And so this is going to be the biking portion of this of the story so the biking part is this i have four kids one who's uh one and a half twins who are now nine and a middle who's now six last summer um or last time this year my middle girl was not comfortable enough on a bike that i was comfortable in taking her out on the roads yep. and I, it sounds like our roads are a lot like john's where it's just like you know turns on cliffs where if you go over, you're going to fall into an un, you know, bottomless cavern, just insane hills. And it's, 
you can't just be like, oh, let's go on a nice bike ride, especially with your kids. Yeah, John's neighborhood, honestly, as somebody who's lived in quite a few cities in my lifetime, uh, John, who does not live in like a dense city by any means, has like the most terrifying fucking <laughs> road system to the point where I'm like, is this one way? Because it's the width of a bike. And also it's like, for some reason, leaning 30 degrees. It's like whoever built the roads in your town was uh, was not of sound mind. I will, I will say that. On the plus side, when, when in those instances where we have to grab the flux capacitor and go back to the future, like we just let one of you know Luke's bike go down the hill and it'll hit 88 miles per hour. And he, no problem. That's true. That's true. So he does get going pretty good. Um, when life hands you lemons, you know? Yeah. But so last year, it sounds like maybe Peter, well, I want to hear the rest of your story. We had a similar um, <clears throat> story in terms of a five-year-old and, and, you know, teaching them how to ride a bike. Yeah, so we we wanted to go on longer bikes because the older, the twins are out, you know, it's brother, boy-girl twins, and they just want to get out and go do stuff. I want to go do stuff. We want to go on longer rides because we've got more just random time because we're not doing, Oh yeah. this is last year, so we're, no one's doing anything. So we have all day to just go out and rides and we started doing that and the way we did that is we got you know essentially this tag along thing to attach to my bike which is just an arm which goes to a single back wheel and handlebars so essentially you're dragging a little bike behind you and it's got you know one of those like trailer arms (laughs) so we said i started throwing the middle kid on that and then we'd go on these long bike rides and then even on that, the kids are, oh, you know, this isn't that exciting or, you know, I was being pretty safe. And so finally it was, hey, well, let's just start going on a bike ride like I would ride my bike, which is, um, you know, just traveling through on the roads where you can, there, you know, a lot of back roads so there's not many cars. Um, and in doing that, and I was freaking out on the first couple of rides, not so much because obviously the ones attached to me. Um, so I'm being extra careful, but mainly the twins who are now in a mode where they can cruise way in front of you. They could go yep. anyway. And so we basically just worked out, you know, basically screening hand, you know, screaming signals that initially were me just being like, car or oh, look out <laughs> on your left or, you know, stuff like that. And over time it developed into, you know, kind of a little motorcycle gang where we're throwing up hand signals for slow stop and you know, it got to the point where, you know, I'd send Patrick videos where we'd go, you know, downtown, which our towns are not very big. Um, but, you know, there's like one parking garage in town. And so one thing that we found to do is you go in the parking garage, you go to the top, and then you bomb the thing on your bikes. I love it. And it's quarantine. So all this is total zombie town. Everything's shut down. So you've got these empty parking garages and you're just doing the loop and cruising. And, you know, Initially, I'd never thought of that or thought of any concerns. And my wife's always been used to me, you know, skateboarding, snowboarding, you know, just normal stuff. Extreme. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, totally extreme, raw. And so <laughs> we, you know, didn't really think of anything. And then at that time, we made the mistake of sending one of those videos to grandparents. And my oh. parents are used to it, but hers aren't so much. And all of a sudden, they're like, wait, what are you doing? And so, you know, it's just stuff like that. But I've found that... You know, you, you give the, the, you know, I'm sort of losing the tra- train of this, but essentially, you know, you're out there and you can do just as much stuff with your kids as long as you're just kind of talking to them normal and getting them out there to do it. Yeah, there's so many things, there's so many parts of this. And I love, you know, uh, I think bikes are such a great example to talk this through, but I, I'm sure it'll connect to many other um areas where we have to make this calculation of risk taking right and and particularly at like different ages too to know what is age appropriate and that's where i've really um i've been surprised over the last year you know because it was a big deal for us um last summer um to have grace learn how to ride a bike she had you know she had been riding a little bit with training wheels not very comfortable not really enjoying it all that much and so we ended up really um trying to go all in on on no training wheels and bought her a bike that had the handbrakes, you know, which make it easier um, and and to do that for a little while. And it just like clicked and it was just amazing to see, you know, this five-year-old who is just very confidently um, learning how to ride a bike and, and comfortable with it, right? But you also knowing, especially that there are so many hills <laughs> where once you start going down and picking up momentum, like they have to feel really comfortable about braking. 
And so that was a big achievement. Um, and it also came at the same time we talked on this show about me learning how to ride a bike, right? Which was, <laughs> so that was kind of a fun few months where we both did. Um, but then my mind has been totally blown. I mentioned it, I think on the last episode by Luke, who is three. And we made this decision during Christmas uh, we saw that there were some bikes available from Womb, this company that does make bikes very much intended to get um, young kids started without the coaster brake and using handbrakes. And he was doing really well on a balanced bike. And we're like, I think we should just go for it. Let's get him a real bike and see how it goes. Um, he's seeing Grace do it all the time. He's excited. And the kid, to watch him now, like I'm, I'm, I just watch him in awe, you know, as someone who learned how to ride at age 34, um, to see a three-year-old confidently navigate the streets and like it does it gives me anxiety every time we let him go i mean it's a it's an incredibly steep hill that he has to go down to get to daycare but that's how we get there every every week now i really feel like it's hard to overemphasize how <laughs> hilly john's area is like it, it, it's i can't it's impossible what you're picturing in your head is less yeah, hilly yeah. than the street that and, john and, is talking about and i you know i don't know maybe i'm not making the right decision here because if if something went wrong you know and the brake stopped working or something um, it would be bad, <laughs> but he, you know, he goes down and he is so he, like, there were definitely weeks where he was uncomfortable and I had to sort of coach him and I'd go down the hill and let him come to me, you know? Um, and then after doing that for a few weeks, he's now, he'll just go and he's ahead of me. And I know, even though I'm, I'm usually running to keep up with him to try to at least get close to him. But I know that if he took off, like I couldn't, I couldn't run fast enough. And that's scary. But you are you truly making this leap of faith. Um, and again, I, I don't know where that right line is, you know, to figure it out. Um, maybe this is where you you can use your legal advice, but uh, <laughs> navigating that. But it it is it feels good to know that um, you know relaxing that a little bit in yourself. You're you're and obviously you can keep be anxious about it, but like giving your child the chance to take some of those risks can lead to really magical and, and kind of amazing moments. And so, you know, I hope I'm never telling this story again and it's, it's the flip side of that, but. No, yeah, I think that that anxiety is real. And for me, like I think most parents, the bane of my existence is cars. Yes. Um, even when we're, we have a yard that's set back and even when they're in the yard, my biggest fear is for whatever reason, they decide to go near the street and then on that, specific time is that driver who's you know looking at his phone exactly. doing whatever and they even like hop the curb somehow make it like through the ravine and the car <laughs> jumps it and then it gets up <laughs> to our house and hits the kids so you know when ferris bueller with his friend right, you yeah, know right, right, <laughs> fast and furious yeah. right. but it's 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 amazing the type of stuff especially at night you know that your head goes through and even yeah. sometimes i replay days and i'm like oh my god how did we why did we do that but then mm -hmm. like you said there's those amazing moments and sort of going to the biking part and you know patrick i think mentioned this one before you know we, we'd ride in these kind of like i keep them in sort of lines and it really is like a little motorcycle game it's so cute you guys look like the hell's <laughs> angels it's very, and, very cute <laughs> i love it and so, you know, we're all, we're, I even taught them, so this is funny, you know how motorcyclists do that little, like, thing when you go by each other? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah well, the kids will do that to motorcyclists that'll drive by, and sometimes they'll, like, the motorcycle almost, like, skids and crashes because they're just laughing so hard. Because <laughs> these kids are, like, that's amazing. Little... The kids like motion as yeah. if they're going to jerk, you know, jerk over to the right, you know, yeah. and the motorcycle and crashes and blows up. <laughs> And I'd love to take credit for so much of that, but a lot of it is just, like you said, just getting them out there. Um, again, with sort of the, the background, you know, sort of just the, the skateboard brain that I have, you know, a lot of what the routes that we take to avoid cars and avoid people, you know, especially during the height of the pandemic and even still. Um, so we, I'd normally take them on these routes that I know there's going to be less cars, which means it's a little also a little creepier you know we're going like through alleys again these are small midwest you know kind of dying towns so they're empty but at the same time it is you know i'd, I'd take them through alleyways because i know that's going to be less traffic or like through a parking garage because i know that's going to be less traffic but in doing that you also find the other people who are normally in those scenarios which yeah i was gonna either, say yeah. isn't that where all the midwest serial killers are that we see exactly. shows about <laughs> and so you know we're Normally, we're biking on weekend mornings, which also means there's a lot of odd scenes. They've we've biked through camp, college campuses, so they've seen the walk of shame, and they're oh wondering like, why is that girl in like carrying heels 
And number one, why isn't she wearing a mask? You know, so it's, it's you both have the pandemic, so you're already afraid of the person. And then, yeah. you know, and there's been, there was a scary story that they still remember sometimes. And I do feel sort of, you know, bad about this, but also good because it's helped them in later where, you know, we were down in sort of the, the more rundown warehouse area town again because there's less traffic and we're going through the alleys and they see this woman, um, you know, walking in circles back and forth, yelling at herself, yelling at cars that are driving by. And I have to have the conversation where I, this person may be mentally sta unstable. Doesn't mean they're terrible. And, you know, we went through all the, you know, process and conversations sitting there on the mm -hmm. lane to cross the street about, you know, homelessness and what it is. And I'm trying to just say, you know, this is not someone who you should be, feel, you know, any, I guess, uh, in, hatred towards or disgust towards it's you know this is someone down on their luck and they may be weird and so i saw the person go around this it's, it's just your typical giant warehouse there's a corner to get around on the street again this sounds crazy but you know it's like a four lane weird street it's empty though but the only way is like this tiny little uh, sidewalk around the warehouse and so we see her walking along the warehouse she's trying all the doors to get in for whatever reason and she, she goes around the wall and just knowing, you know, just whatever, and just kind of your basic, you know, street smarts that you probably any of you guys have um, through experience in cities is, well, you know, they're probably around that corner. We can't see them, but when we cross that corner, she's probably going to be there. And so I got them ready for it. And we're, we're in a part where there's really no other safer route to go. So we got to go around the corner. And I'm telling them, guys, She's going to be around the corner. Do not freak out. Because the number one thing I get more worried about on bikes is kids freezing. Right. And mm. then they either fall over or go into the street. And, you know. Mm. And that's when the I'm, zombie will just grab them. Exactly. Done. Classic And this zombie. is exactly how this is. And this is how we talked about it. I was like, she's going to be there. Don't let her get you. you. Stay away. But we're going to have to go near. You're and also in an abandoned city by a giant <laughs> exactly. warehouse with one woman screaming. Let's just exactly. be clear. This is a zombie film you're talking about. So you can this see is why, absolutely. Yeah. Uh -huh. So this is why no one should follow or heed any of the advice I'm going to talk about <laughs> on this episode. So this is what the type of situations you get into. So we're going around, <laughs> and we cross it, and there she is. Lo and behold, I look back, and both kids are doing fine. Um, they're hiding. But then she starts walking, and she's kind of picking up speed. <laughs> and my son is my oldest son is in the back and she's not chasing him but she's walking in the same direction at almost the same speed like 10 feet away and oh at some point gosh. she chucks some weird soda bottle that she has you know basically at him and so he's biking he's maintained his cool the whole time we oh bike far enough away she's still screaming they're seemingly calm we turn another corner and get a couple other corners and we're far enough away and we're up on this kind of like levy essentially where we can see down and we can see her i stopped them at that point and we all just stopped and you know they were visibly shaken a little but at the same time they were like okay and you know they started asking well what's wrong with her and stuff like that and it wasn't till later that night that my son's basically like kind of like do you think we'll see her again you know on the next bike ride and you know so it's but then so the good, I guess the parenting moment of this, not the freaked out moment that we, that everyone could be having while I'm telling the story is essentially now, anywhere we are, if they see someone who's probably not stable or homeless um, downtown and stuff like that, they know, okay, you keep your distance, you keep your eyes open, and this isn't someone to ridicule, to yell at, to invoke in any way. It's someone who's just, you know, different and you maintain your distance and then you know the parent in me thinks well okay they sort of understand that now and now you know when the pandemic lifts and we can go to new york show them where they were born and you know go up to certain areas where we see more people like that or go downtown chicago and see stuff like that they've now been exposed and to me in a very well yes risky but at least they're with me they see how I'm reacting. They see how we're doing. And now they've been exposed to that in sort of, I guess, the safest way possible, rather than as teenagers, um, when they've got friends who want to, like, yell at people or do anything that people, you know, kids do regarding homeless people and just, I don't know. So things like that I've had to expose them to. 
um, just through some of these activities. And I've actually really seen a lot of growth in them where mm-hmm. they understand that and they talk about it more openly. They'll say, instead of, oh, dad, homeless in like a, um, I don't know, derogatory kind of way, they'll say, oh, do you think that person needs a home? Or do you think that person, you know, why do you think they're on the street? And they'll say, you know, do, do they think they, do they drink too much? Um, do they not have a home? Can they not afford stuff? It's, it's kind of crazy. And, you know, to that, I really enjoy it. It's amazing that you had that happen all the while living in basically a, a, an outtake from Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, Peter. I got to say, it's really incredible to get that kind of growth, you know, in a post-apocalyptic hellscape yeah. where people are charging at you. But no, it's, just, I, I think... it's, it's so it's sort of where we've chosen to, and unfortunately, a lot of the activities that I enjoy doing with them, it puts us in that. So, I mean, right. I also take them out skateboarding, and most of the time we're finding empty parking lots and if you're able to find an empty space with no other people it's not typically the best area in town uh, one of the best quotes uh, I've ever heard from a professional skateboarder in an interview he's talking about and he's like oh people are always kind of up to me oh it must be so great to travel all over the world to go skateboarding he's like you know you get to go to Spain and whatever and he's like yeah well you know what we do we go to Spain and then we spend five hours behind the Kmart in Spain you know <laughs> jumping on a dumpster <laughs> so i mean it's it's it's, it's good though because i i think i've tried to make them aware of be aware of your surroundings be aware of what's around you be safe um so I'll, i think a lot of things um there's a lot to do in the activities you choose to do beyond just the are you getting hurt mm-hmm. yeah and i think what i want most to do is if they're out if they're walking to a friend's house and they see some you know quote unquote crazy person walking along the sidewalk they know what to do and don't just stand there and engage in some you know i guess poor way rather you know keep your distance know what's going on and know how it might react so i think you raise a great point with this which is situational awareness which which i i want to get into and also this i want to bookmark for a second this idea that there's a difference between recklessness and riskiness right Mm. That, that, and that, to me, is something that I have found more as an adult, as, as somebody who grew up breaking bones more than I should have been breaking bones, probably. Like, it took me a while to figure that out. Um, and I think with the kids now, I, on, on the days where I do it right, it's more that, you know, uh, like, it, it, we're supposed to be doing things that could potentially end up with a broken leg. Yeah. Like, that's part of the fun of life is trying stuff out and failing sometimes, right? But it's a calculated risk that you get to through something that I want to talk about in a moment, as opposed to recklessness where you just like, whatever happens, happens, you know, no preparation, no situational awareness, dive bombing in a grocery cart down a busy street and getting sidelined by a by a semi-truck. Like, that's that's different, right? Um, but this idea of situational awareness, I think, is something that you can apply to a lot of things in, in your personal life, but especially with your kids. If you can inculcate in them a sense of broad situational awareness while they're young, that's something that they keep with them. And so mm-hmm. for us, I want to get to push sports and pedal sports in a, in a second, but I, I also want to revisit something that came up last time, which was cooking. So like, yeah. I, right after that conversation, I, I was like, I'm going to do, the boys are going to be involved with dinner tonight, and I'm going to send John a picture to like <laughs> prove to him that I took this episode to heart and that I did realize <laughs> That I was being too anxious, and I did. I was very impressed. Um, And so since then, I have to say, we have gotten a really good system down where they're doing things that are quote-unquote dangerous, but in a really smart way with acceptable levels of risk. And the boys are so proud. Mm. Like, they are so proud of the fact that they're chopping the vegetables, that they're stirring the stuff on the stovetop, that they, like, you know, and and that, that we got to that point by trust, essentially, right? And letting them know, like, I know you can do this. I'm yes. trusting you, but I'm not going to let you do it until we talk through some of the things to think about, right? And in that conversation about things to think about, um, we employed a couple of techniques that I got from some infographic that I can't find right now. <laughs> but it was something that I read over the summer last year that was talking about how to help kids um, like determine risk and problems on their own. And the idea is to be kind of Socratic about it, right? So instead of saying... If you chop this wrong, you'll chop off your finger. You say, why do you think it's important to hold it steady, right? And then they go, well, because it could wobble. And so what could happen if it wobbles? Well, the knife could slip. And what could happen if that happened? Well, I could chop my fucking hand off, right? (laughs) And then I'm like, why are you swearing? And then it's this big thing. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, but but kind of taking them on that journey, being like, so you get that, right? Like, so now you are the master of the cutting board tonight. 
And it's up to you to remember that and to help me to remember that too, right? Um, and then, so the acceptable risk, so for example, Jude is the one who has really, he loves doing the knife work and mm-hmm. I'm all about it. But I'm like, if you're going to do this with very sharp knives, I will be holding the vegetable for you mm-hmm. while you cut it. And I'll just help guide your knife a little bit by putting my hand here. But you're the one putting the pressure on it. You're the one pushing it down. It's up to you how big or small the slices are. Um, and that like simple little activity of him having that like acceptable risk involved to me has been really healthy for his mentality. And for Henry, who just last night was like my dream, he literally said this. He was like, my dream is for Jude and me to cook you dinner and you not worry about it. Oh my And we'll just God. bring it out to you. And I was like, cool. okay, we'll fucking do it tonight then. If you want to, you want to talk big. No, How I was like, incredible is that? Did you hear that? And you're just like, I, this is it. I've done it. it. Like, done this it. is parenting. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, it was, a real, it was a real feeling of like, well, I'm glad we had that episode for one thing. Yeah. And I'm glad welcome. that I remembered what I had lost because of my heightened anxiety during COVID because the kids are great at that stuff and they love doing that stuff. And there's plenty of parents out here who would never let their kids within a foot of a stovetop if it's hot. But like, but Henry knows what's hot on the stovetop and he knows because we've talked about it and because he's helped Socratically go through what could happen, right? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to say that as an update from our last episode, but going back and tying that into the pedal sports and push sports. Um, we've been doing a lot more of that because it's been nice out, right? A lot more skating, um, a lot more time just, you know, outside in proximity to cars, whether that's going on walks or hikes or whether that's playing basketball and the ball rolling toward the street and having a panic moment <laughs> or whether it's riding our, our bikes quite a bit, which has been awesome lately. Um, and I'm realizing that it's important for me in, a, in addition to that situational awareness thing, to remember that I'm not my children and that they are different than me. They have different strengths and they have different weaknesses. Most of them are strengths compared to me, <laughs> which, is, which is lucky. <laughs> but like realizing that Jude at seven is more athletic than I was at seven, or he's just a better athlete in general. Yeah, he has yeah. great balance. He has really good basic, you know, like ability to like save himself if he falls, which he does all the time. Um, and he doesn't get injured as much because he's just more graceful than I That's was. Awesome. Right. And so we have a real conversation where I'm like, all right, you can do things like Peter has seen like Jude's working on ollies right now and he's getting pretty good at it. I couldn't do that at all at that age. I could barely do them now. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? Okay. You're different than me. Like, that's really cool. So let's like kind of recalibrate this a little bit to something where like, okay, I'm going to trust you that you can do this now and I'm not going to kind of hover over you. So that is what means that, you know, now when we go biking, you know, I let him go a little further away from me if he's in front. Um, you know, I let him kind of like lead. I say, I want you to, to lead and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to match your speed. I'm going to be behind you. But like, you're the one who's determining if we take a right or we take a left on the street or in this park, you know, at a given time. And again, that little bit of like responsibility goes such a long way with him. And I think it just speaks to this greater idea that like, if kids can determine for themselves what acceptable risk looks like, if kids can determine for themselves what they need to be situationally aware of, and we can help guide them to that, then they don't lose that. That becomes a part of their makeup, right? And they go through this idea where like, you know, if my parents aren't there when I'm in my 20s, or my parents aren't there when I'm, you know, going to college, and I'm alone, you know, there with a bunch of friends, and they're saying like, hey, do you want to do a keg stand and then jump off the second floor of this frat house? I'm going to remember these lessons, hopefully, where I'm going to think to myself like, ah, there's a lot of stuff that could go wrong. Uh, I think that like I'm going to sit this one out and let them do what they want to do. That's the uh, that's the hope. Again, like we'll come back to this and you know, no, I years mean, and see, but. yeah, I, I really it resonates so much because I think that uh, the transformational piece for me and it's still a journey right in getting there. But um, if the model before is that you're always reminding them along the way repeatedly, can't do that, can't do that. You know, you shouldn't do this. Um, you're you're not going to be there with them, right? soon like i mean they're already in a in school now so they're already like out there doing things and that only grows um their their you know autonomy only grows over time and so it really feels like there's this shift now that we're making in in trying to parent to create sort of this you know well-rounded self-sufficient being in profound ways and um one of my biggest takeaways is that i think we just we underestimate our kids you know the first person i think of when i say that is um Fred Rogers, you know, who just so beautifully, um, I think, countered this idea that like, he spoke to what I think kids really appreciated about him is that he spoke to them at their level and, and he had a certain respect for kids and, and um, belief in them. And 
I, I think there's something to really think about, you know, when it comes to us and our, how we were raised. Um, I can only speak for myself, but I think that, and I see how my, my, my parents now re- react to my kids, which is very much like, I think they, they don't even tell me to the extent that they believe this, but I actually think that they think we take too many risks with the kids. You know, um, I see their reaction sometimes and it's like, you know, very, uh, worried and it kind of makes me proud. It makes me proud <laughs> to know that I'm, I'm avoiding some of what I think were some pitfalls in our parents' generation. Um, you know, helicopter parenting is like the worst term for it. But um, I think that that led to a lot of kids, millennials and younger, who um, didn't enter the world with the ability to cope with a lot of um, difficult stuff. And I, I feel like this is an area where we can do better. And I see the risk-taking, you know, calculated risk, as you say, as one sort of way that we can really cultivate that ability for our kids to navigate these things. Oh, yeah. And I think one big thing that I want picked up, too, from both you guys is, is sort of just that awareness and how do you cultivate it and just to understand that the kids get it. Like, I, I spent so much time in those first couple long bike rides being like trying to explain always act like a car doesn't see. Mm. Never assume that you are, and that kind of goes to, I know this is getting a little too, this might be a little more John area, but it's, it might be, you know, it's, it's sort of understand the self-centeredness of a child where they believe, hey, I'm out in the world, see me, hear me, you know, I'm great. But guess what? You know, that's not how it is. And so when you're on your bike, people aren't looking to say, oh, look at that kid on their bike. They're doing whatever they're doing in their car. Yeah. And so my biggest problem I mean, again, all this sounds great. And, you know, I think what I've shown Patrick is sort of the end result of it. But some of those initial bike rides were just me screaming my head off all the time. Car, what do you do? You know, get on this side of the road, guys. Everyone single file at this point. Look both ways. What do you do? You know, just yes. insane. Or if I had to hear myself, I'd be like, whoa, is that mm-hmm. me? But that that's it. I'm just, and to where now, I guess the way to explain it would be, you know, so I'm always doing this and, you do realize that the over saying something again and again and again, it does actually work. So stuff I'd say is, you know, if you see a car and you're able to, don't just look at the car, look at the driver. Are they looking forward? Where are they looking? Look at the signals, look at the lights, the white lights mean reverse. Don't go behind a car, you know, and parking lots is again with the parking garage, a big fear. And you know, the whole, what sounds like an idiot parent doing is the fact that, you know, they're not expecting to see us here, guys. We're in areas and we're biking places where people don't expect a bike to be. A car could come around this alley and burn down this any second. We're on streets that people could be drag racing. We're in areas where, you know, again, there's could be homeless or just someone out too late, you know, the next morning. We're in areas where people don't expect to see a kid. Like kids, this is Mad Max beyond Thunderdome. (laughs) I can't emphasize that enough. Right. There's going to be a guy playing a guitar. There's going to be flames, guys. (laughs) There's going to be flamethrowers. Right. Don't let the grappling hook get to your bike. (laughs) So, you know, but now as we're, sometimes we see it now and we'll go on walks after work or something and we'll go up and, we go through a certain area and we're in neighborhoods now, but I'll have my son or daughter or even the middle daughter yell out when I'm not all of a sudden looking because it's walk. So what am I worried about? I'll have one of them yell out car. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then before I even look, they're like, Oh, it's turning. And that's exactly what we would do on those bike rides is yeah. all back to each other car. It's turning right. Don't worry. Or it's going straight. Or I, maybe even now they'll yell, they're on their phone. And that means everyone, you know, get over and be as safe as you can. And so stuff like that is just what I feel like you're, you're raising Boston drivers is what I'm <laughs> yeah. hearing right now. Get off your phone, you asshole! <laughs> you know, but so, so that's true. The, yeah, so that's the risk. You know, yes, you know, from one perspective, people are listening to this and being like, you idiot, what are you doing taking your kids in these areas? But number two, it's a risk that I think is that acceptable and I'm using it to then train them so now when they're out in the normal neighborhood and a car is driving down the street, they are alert to it. They jump on top of it. Their friends might not care, but at least, you know, they could be the one kid in the group that says, car, it's driving weird and fast. 
you know, stop or get out of the street, stuff like that. So attack. Yeah. <laughs> Again, this is Bad Max. Yeah. No, you know, Pop I will say though. <laughs> I will say, Peter. To me, uh, there's you know, you can train them with cars. You know, you can train them with situational awareness. Uh, it's very hard to train kids about pebbles and skateboard wheels, yeah. which we mentioned earlier, and that has been, by some order of magnitude, the cause of more injuries than anything else for us, including yesterday, me. Uh, I, I caught a crack, and, and I flew over, and it was horrifying, and I was like, man, this is so dangerous, because you can't see these rocks until it's uh. too late, and then you're like, but again, like that's kind of the point of a lot of these activities. Like, there's something to be said for that feeling that we lose a lot of the time in adulthood where you have some cuts and bruises and you're like, oh, oh all right, yeah. well, that was weird. And you're kind of sweaty and you go home and, you're, and you go back inside at the end of the night and you're like, I lived a pretty cool day today, you know? Yeah. That was that's a pretty cool thing. time. I mean, when you really think about it, so much of our lives every day um, are taking, there are calculated risks, right? Some of them are more, um, you know, not necessarily... Um, potentially life-ending risks or, or physically harmful. Um, they might be risks with relationships or risks at work or whatever it may be. And that's where we grow and we live some of our fullest lives when we take those calculated risks. And the reality is, you know, I'm, I'm even learning great tips from, from Peter about how I should be educating my kids about how to deal with cars. But no matter how far we go um, in trying to mitigate the risks, they are still in a situation where if everything went wrong, like that, that could be life-ending. And that's just a reality that we have to live with. You know, our kids, you know, we have to be vulnerable in order to live our lives every day. Um, and that's just, it is what it is. And it, it, it can be hard, but it also, I feel like, is very bound up in this idea of living life to its fullest. And, and it's just navigating, you know, where you want to set that line. And, and I think what we're getting at here is that, it, you know, it might be surprisingly, um, the line might be able to push a little further than you, than you think, I guess. And it's not always where you think it's going to be or what you thought it was going to be. So again, you know, I, I'm going to, I'll shift over to, to the skating in a sec because that's always my favorite to talk about anyways. But again, on, on the biking, I was always surprised at the end of the day. And again, like John said, at night when you're talking to your kids or going to bed, their minds start wandering similar to ours. And they'll go to some dark places sometimes, you know, where you can listen um, and find stuff out too, where, you know, I, one night, uh, the one of the twins, the uh, uh, my daughter woke up, and they ha they are. I think I've mentioned this before, but you know their their twin connection is extremely strong. It mm. is, probably as any siblings, but with them it's it's very strong. Where they get very worried about each other, and she woke up one night and she was crying and she had a bad dream or just sort of like not even a dream yet, sort of the the mind wandering before you sleep, which is probably worse than dreams sometimes. Yeah, especially, especially for parents. You guys yeah, that's, do a that's whole typically where the nightmares begin. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And she was crying and she got up and I was like, well, what's going on? She's like, oh, I was just, I had a dream about the bike ride. And I thought of like all the different things we did. And I was like, oh my God, were you scared about that part where we, you know, jumped off the curb or we had to like go through that yard to avoid the log or, you know, whatever crazy scenario there was. And no, the thing that she was freaked out about is when we were crossing the river and there's a, there's a, there's a bridge that moves. Uh, I don't know how to best to describe it. It's like a suspension bridge. No, um, it's not pavement. It's just metal. You know, yeah, like you, you sent me videos of this. It's actually, John, this is exactly like the bridge that crosses the Charles right next to our workplace. Oh, not wow. Not the nice okay. one, yeah, yeah, the yeah. one that's terrifying. You know, the one, the Longfellow Bridge or whatever it's called. Yeah. That, that's basically just like metal over a chasm. Okay. Like yes. you fall mm -hmm. into. Yeah. Yeah, this is over the, the Mississippi River. And if you went in, you'd go and you'd get sucked into this wing dam. Wing dams are like the dams where the, they have rollers and it goes over. I've, Damn. I have dreams about that. Again, this is Mad Max Beyond the yeah, again. So, so, yeah. so, so, you know, the first couple times they were scared because they don't like to see the water beneath us. And now they've we've grown kind of accustomed to it. And this, br this bridge will swing. It, it allows the tugboats to come down the Mississippi. And so sometimes we get stuck on it. Well, part of it swings and you get to watch the tugs and it's awesome. It's, it'll add an hour to your ride, but it's so fun to see them do it, do the work. Anyways, her dream, and I was like, and she was talking about the bridge. And I was like, oh, she's going to talk about, you know, she was worried about the bridge collapsing or falling through. But no, what she was worried about is one of the times when we were sitting there watching the tugs go through, my son was standing up on an additional section. And I hadn't really noticed anything, but she said, you know what I noticed is that there was a gap between the bridge and then the drive the pedestrian bridge and the gap bridge and she's like well what if he fell in right through there oh. 
And I, you know, to me, I'm like, I didn't even, I, I, I know what gap you're talking <laughs> God about. <damn> it. <laughs> but he can't fit through it and just all that stuff. But to me, it's also amazing to find out what it is they believe yeah. the risk is, what they're afraid of. And so, yeah, so going to the skating part, uh, we've been doing a lot of skateboarding now this weekend, and I've had a lot of fun. And I try really carefully not to be sort of the sports dad, where I have 50 bajillion. Anytime they mention skateboarding, I'll build them from spare parts another board if they mention anything. <laughs> so I have a bajillion. But I'm not someone who's going to be like, you will get on this now and go down, you know, go off the mega ramp or something. No, so they've wanted to ride it more. And um, I've seen a biggest change in probably my oldest daughter in confidence, in self um, worth. Mm. Not that she doesn't, you know, she, she's, but as a nine year old, you know, she does have a lot of girls and then there's the cliques and there's the, you know, you see her worried about school and just sort of starting skateboarding again this year, which has only been a couple weeks now, already her confidence in herself has increased, her confidence in her classes. We're still 100% virtual. Mm. Um, we could send our kids back, but I haven't. I mean, John, one thing we've never talked about is my wife is also a cancer survivor when we were in our 20s and knew each other. Um, so, but hers is an autoimmune, so we've had to be extremely mm. careful. We still haven't seen, I haven't seen my parents since the beginning of the pandemic. We haven't seen her parents yeah. who live in town. Wow. Now, we do we do nothing. So it's really just these activities that we do. But anyways, so um, just seeing her and she'll come to me after we've gone skateboarding and yesterday, oh man, it makes me cringe so bad. I'll, I'll like shriek like a girl. Like, yeah! if I see them, it's like I'll fall all day. And to me, I'm like, whoa, whatever. Where, you know, my wife's like, you know, you're, you're in your forties and your bones aren't so strong, but I'm like, whatever, I can take it. But if I see them just fall down, I'm like, ah, maybe oh, yeah. we should stop for the day. What's, <laughs> anyone need some lemonade? It's so scary, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? And so yesterday we were, we were bombing some, uh, a parking lot and the advice I gave Patrick was hey if you guys want to work on your pushing and just riding you can throw on some softer wheels because you'll get over cracks easier you'll mm -hmm. and some of that now don't don't listen to that because also what it does is it makes <laughs> you go faster right. and so she was bombing this normal part of this parking lot which is a pretty good grade but not too steep where you can just go without pushing like you could stop it start at the top and just go and by the time you get to the bottom you're going pretty fast but nothing crazy well, I threw on these larger, softer wheels on her board, and she was just cooking at the bottom. And I was just like, oh, my God. And she listened to what I said, which is I've taught them to just, like, jump and run. Don't stand. If you feel like you're getting crazy, just get off the board, run, and then you tuck a shoulder and just roll it. And don't put your wrists out. Yeah. That is, that's the big thing. Never straight wow. out. Yeah. But she took the biggest hipper, like just went straight oh. to her hip, like smacked, and I could like feel the ground move. And I was like, oh, God, there went the leg. And she's crying and everything. And, you know, but she got through it, and then she skated some more and stuff. But then last night she's like, you know, Dad, she's like, I think I'm getting pretty tough. That's awesome. And oh, so it's really fun and it's fun to see her. And she likes to talk about now, Hey, you know, at school, a lot of kids are talking about skateboarding now because everyone's starting stuff like that during the pandemic. And she's like, you know what? When I finally get to see them, she's like, they're going to think I'm pretty good. <laughs> she's like, going to be hitting pop shop. Yeah. It's in the playground. She's yeah. like, I don't even think they can Ollie dad. <laughs> <laughs> but so it's, it's been fun. And it's fun to see her be the one to take that mantle up instead of like, you know, the stereotypical my son or something yeah. like that. It's fun to see her take it more where he's a little more risk aversion. And so it's good. It's, it's, and again, it's for me, yes, it sounds risky, but it's also not. I feel like I'd rather have them doing this than, you know, playing football and having someone actively mm. attempting to smash you or, you know, playing volleyball and breaking your wrists or, I don't yeah. know. So it's it's in your comfort level, but then at the same time, it's your kids are going to tell you stuff about it that you never saw, like you know your brother falling through some slat in the bridge. Right. <laughs> so totally. Well, I yeah. I love that story, and it's a great note to end on. You know, this idea of kids finding in themselves that kind of um, toughness, especially in these moments. You know, when we're all feeling, I think, more vulnerable and fragile. Um, we could all but, use some of that. You know. Yeah, exactly. And we could all also. This is my last thought because we got to wrap. I wanted to say it's important to learn how to fall. Mm. You know, whether you're on a skateboard or whether you're in life, it's really important to know Perfect. that that will happen, 
and that sometimes you just tuck a shoulder and you do what you're told to do and you'll and you'll get out with a bruise and a great story and that sometimes that's kind of what life is about you know yeah and the pebble is uh, the, the pebble is always there no matter what you're riding you could be the most comfortable person anywhere the pebble's gonna get you you're gonna hit we all gotta learn how to you fall gotta be ready for it so it's, yeah. it's fun i think that's just what it is it's just getting your kids out there and being like you know what we gotta try it but look out for that crack look out for that <laughs> watch car. out for the pebble get oh. over Zombie. Thank you for joining us, man. It's, uh, a, it's always such a pleasure to see you. No, Peter. it's fun, guys. And I, I ramble up, and it's also, it's fun to, you know, like I said, it's some of my only contact and only listening. So thanks for being out there. Thanks for talking about it. And this show is an excuse for us to ramble, so you don't have to apologize. That's, that. that is fun. true. That's yeah. true. All right. Thank you, my friend. Talk see you, to you soon. later. Bye. 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 Bye.